Welcome to Beyond Dollars and Cents, the Risk and Reward Podcast. My name is Holland Henderson, financial advisor with Allen and Company, and today we have a very special guest to talk about some very compelling topics. Mr. Jeremy Brum- Brumley, how's it going? Great. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Who are you, and what do you do? So, like uh, you mentioned, I'm Jeremy Brumley. I'm a local guy, father, and and husband, entrepreneur, I guess, in in some some respect, and. Um, I run restaurants. Some respects. Yeah. Um, a few few respects, yeah. Few. <laughs> I've had a couple of ventures here and there. There you go. Yeah. Well, one one I want to talk about, um, you know, that's been very important in my life because you feed my family, <laughs> right? Yeah. So Lovebird, everybody, everybody's been talking about it. It's, uh, it's taking place, you know, right there where the old Starbucks used to be slash gas station. Right. So tell me, tell me, um, you know, what is the concept that y'all are going for there? Can you briefly describe it? Sure. I, the concept, just the black and white nuts and bolts, of, it's a quick service fried chicken restaurant. Um, the brand is inspired by Southern cultures, love of mu- music, food, community. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big music fan, have had you know past with owning record stores. So music really? has always been kind of in, in my wife and I's life. Who's so, your favorite band? That's a good question. Pearl Jam, probably just because I think at that stage in my life, that's where I could first time I actually listened to lyrics and things that so impacted me. I think differently. But Are they the band that you? I mean, is that was that specifically what you put on whenever you're just like I'm in the mood for something? I can't put my well. Car. I've evolved. I think since ninety one, ninety two. I, you know, <laughs> I would just, hope just so. a tad. You know, I think exactly. it's just because of the Jeremy song. I, is yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's <laughs> nice. I like it. Nice. I still pool. dress the same, but yeah. No, so. Uh, so I, I do put it on occasionally. I have to be honest, I don't listen to a lot of their newer stuff. I couldn't name a lot of new songs, but I think that that's one of those bands that's always you know, kind of got a place in my heart for, for getting me into music and listening to music. I'm not a musician, so uh, the only thing that I could actually understand were lyrics and not, not notes necessarily. So, um, But so to answer the question, I, I listen to a, a, a big range of music. My wife's a big, big music lover, so um, you know, in our spare time, we're either... Not so much lately in the last couple of years, but you know, concerts or listening to music and, and kind of sharing that together. So that's cool. So your your concept is really just adding food and Southern culture and music together, right? So it, it kind of started 10, 10, 12 years ago. I was in Nashville uh, visiting some breweries. Was there in the Ryman watching a show. I got introduced to hot chicken uh, via a food truck. That's when Hattie B's was was a was a food truck at at a local uh, brewery, and I mean, I was eating it. I was like, this is amazing. You know, yeah. I, I don't, why don't why aren't these everywhere? It was the first time I had hot chicken, so that stuck with me for years um, as I evolved in other uh, obviously brands and, and positions. And I thought in the back of my mind, you know, if I can ever get a chance, I need to do something with this because I love the tie-in with Nashville and, and the music, you know, Music City and things. So that's really kind of the origin of it and how we started. That's pretty cool, man. So why do you call it almost famous? Well, there's a lot of. There's some there's some inside jokes there, but I, I think and I and I'll be frank with you, I, I come from an environment, um, in an organization where you know the whole goal was to be the next big thing. Albeit, I, I won't say there's anything wrong with that, but I think that once you set expectations to be the best or the next best thing, you kind of miss the ride of of getting there. So the almost famous chicken has a, several different meanings. Uh, one personal, and then obviously in our core values, our organization, it has a, has a slightly different meaning. But I think almost famous is is personally a reminder of myself. It's okay if you don't become world famous. You know, there's a lot of success and a lot of good 
uh, good times underneath, you know, being number one. Now, I will say I don't want to get any uh, negative feedback about, you know, <laughs> I don't I don't believe in winners and everybody gets a trophy kind of thing. But I, I do think that, um, you know, you don't have to be the best to be very good. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So, yeah. And I came from an environment where, you know, it, we struggled with, I think, identifying our success because we weren't the biggest and the best. And, and, and quite frankly, you know, that's, that's very hard to do. It takes a long time to, to do that. So that's a personal note, almost famous. And our core values, what it means is that there's always work to be done as a brand. You know, we, we steward the brand, we, you know, from execution, from people development, from, from the brand itself and how we you know, involve ourselves with our community, meaning that, you know, you always have to keep working. Yeah. So, and not to knock on other but, you know, there's world-famous chicken out there, and, you know, I don't— There's some famous recipes and stuff like that. Yeah, I, th- I think it's okay to be, you know, almost there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's good that you plant into your to your business early on the idea that the work's never done. I mean, that that really speaks to me. Yeah. I mean, because I'm, I'm sure, you know, as simple as we could probably think that the chicken market is, it's probably not that simple. And to continue to push that stone up a hill and then, you know, create— I mean, as long as you're always creating, you're always adapting, you're always changing right. the markets, but there's also, you know, staying true to yourself. I think it's important for culture. Any, If you want to ever reach any scale, right, culture is important. You have to be able to duplicate, you know, kind of the, the DNA of the brand, you know, through multiple locations, hundreds, maybe thousands of people. So I think it's important that our culture is that we always are, are working to be better, you know, from, from a service perspective from a menu innovation and evolution so yeah i, I just thought it fit I, I you know when i was sketching up kind of the business plan and figuring out i hate to say the word tagline but kind of what you know what is what does this mean it kind of just all fell in place and i tell you i was cracking up when i first saw it i was like that's fun yeah but i mean it's it's really neat to see that there's a deeper meaning behind right. it it's cheeky you drive by almost right. famous people like you know i've had people a guest actually come in and say you know I saw the sign. I'm, I just had to check this place out because it said it was almost famous. I'm like, well. So I um, told my kids I was interviewing you because they're big fans, right? Great. I mean, anything that you where you feed them, right, they, they right. become real big yeah. fans of it. You would think that they'd be really big fans of me by now, but that doesn't. No, no. <laughs> it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't translate <laughs> that way. But my uh, my son, I was like, he's, he, his, my wife was saying, you know, what questions would you guys ask? Um, and he was like, well, I want to know. If, if he got the sign because the chicken's hot, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. This seems a little weird now. Right, right. <laughs> we got a, little bit, <laughs> got a little bit of the weird territory on yeah. that one. Yeah. So I, I think that your concept really speaks to those things of it is very present. It's very in your face in the in a good way. Um, and everything you're explaining about your concept, I, I mean, it's, it's starting to really make sense to me now. Yeah, I think from uh, – and I appreciate that. When you go out to, to – not only do a new business, but you are creating a brand in a sense, you know, and mm-hmm. you, you, and nobody has ever seen anything or tasted, have no idea. And we can talk about that later because there were some funny things when we first started with the construction. You know, in my mind, again, come from the corporate world, I, was, I hate to say, it, I was just bored with everything. everything every, I mean, all chicken restaurants are red or yellow. It's the same thing. And, and hot chicken specifically, everything had a flame. And so, to me, when I sat down and kind of sketched some things up and then eventually got with a, a friend of mine that was a, is a graphic designer and kind of had it 65% there, and he was like, I'll take it from here. I completely get this. And I think that's where the lightning bolt, the lightning bolt is more of the hot side. And, yeah. and, and then, you know, having those 
quote unquote emojis inside of our, our logo. There's a much more technical term for that that I can't remember that my graphic designer told me. But he says, you know, most, <laughs> most people important. do not do that. You yeah. don't put images in, in logos. But I said, I think we can. I think things are different. I look at my my children and, and how they communicate and everything's through images. And yeah. so I think that's a lot of how we did the, the Love Hot Chicken is basically heart and the, and the lightning bolt. And the and um, so, yeah, I, I, that's how that kind of came about. I'm, I'm a kid of the 80s. So is my wife. We love pink and neon and you know heck yeah man skate you know skateboard and things so it, it all just kind of please fit. don't just get the roller skate people out there to deliver your food because i'll just come there and watch people fall down yeah no, i'm not no. mature enough to handle that no I, I, <laughs> listen i don't think that happened for the other brand that had roller skates so i don't <laughs> they got rid of that maybe too much liability or something I don't know. all right well let's take our first break and we'll be right back All right, we're back. So one one question, something you said, um, all chicken brands are red and yellow. Why is that? I'm not sure. I, I, again, I you know, marketing is a lot of strategy and there's a lot of uh, knowledge that goes behind that. But I, as I look through all of the other chicken restaurants and, and colors and, and what they were trying to accomplish, they all seem similar in, in the same vein. And you know, now nowadays, I think you have to stand out. You don't want to be so weird that you people can't. You're not approachable. Yeah, you can't relate. But I think. Just just quirky enough where people are interested, and I, I think that you know the pink and the black and the yellow and things you know all work for us. So tell us about the story about you know just Love Bird and how you came to want to build a restaurant. I mean, we've touched on it. I mean, yeah. we talked about Nashville. We talked about a couple well, so, other things. Yeah, I mean, I've always had kind of the entrepreneurial spirit, um, and good or bad, since I was a kid. Um, you know, I started a record store when I was eighteen years old, and I had those for ten years. Uh, my wife and I had a rock star inspired clothing maternity company. It was really more her company, but you know, I was part of helping her with that. Um, so I was always into something, you know, and so oddly enough, I was leaving retail and I wanted to get into the sandwich bit. I wanted to do a hoagie shop. And so very, I'll, I'll make it as short as possible, but one of my rec- the record stores next to an Outback. And so I had befriended the gentleman that was the GM there. And so I told him what I wanted to do. And he said, listen, you know, forget that. Just come to Outback. So I thought about it, and I went and I applied at Plant City Outback. And I can say it now because it's been so many years later. <laughs> Tyler and I are friends. And I, I fudged my application. Because back then, Outback, you had to have some experience to work at Outback. You know, you had to be – they weren't just hiring just, you know, new servers. Right. right? And so I told him I was a server at Red Lobster in Birmingham. And I'll never forget, he comes back and he says – and I can't find that Red Lobster in Birmingham. I said, "Yes," and I think it, it got shut. It was it's in a remodel. You know, I mean, I was completely. <laughs> it was before Google. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Luckily, you know. So I just figured, hey, I've eaten enough in restaurants. I'll figure it out. You know, I'll figure it out. Well, I'm sure anyone who ever sat in my section probably told you I never figured it out. But <laughs> he did hire me at you know two thirteen an hour, whatever the tip share rate was, and I yeah. just kind of worked my way in that restaurant and figuring you know if i liked it and about six months into it five months into it the gentleman his name's jim pollard um he's involved with a lot of brands that everybody knows with the world of beer and um metro diner and things so he uh he happened to be a joint venture partner and he just pulled me aside he's like hey what are you doing you know, what's your story and i told him that i was basically you know dropping out of college and going to open a sandwich shop and and about my business and he's like stop you're going to come here. You're going to be a partner. You're going to stay with me. And that's really how I got started. He, at that time, I believe he had 63 Outbacks that he was responsible for. Holy smokes. Yeah. So, 
uh, it was he's kind of lucked out, got the right guy, the right group, and um, and so started with them and worked my career. You know, started with there and went over to Bonefish actually, which is a sister company. And uh, so, what did you do? What what helped you fall in love with the restaurant business? So it doesn't look at right now, but I used to play sports. And so like the athletic, you know, I played soccer in college. So I always liked athletics growing up, you know, the competitiveness and the team aspect. And then when I got into the restaurant, it's, it's, it has a strong parallel to that. You know, you're always the underdog. There's only, you know, even Lovebird today, you know, there could be 300 people show up or 30 people show up. We have no idea, Yeah. but we have nine. That's all I know. You know, we have nine. So it, it's very important for communication, for us to stick to our, you know, our execution, our recipes, our process and procedures. It's the only way that you can feed that many people effectively. So if you think of it like that, behind the scenes is, is a sports team. Yeah. You know, you have different, I can see that. different positions and, and everybody's communicating. Everybody has a role to play. So I, I saw that parallel early on. I really liked it. I love the financial piece of it. You know, you're getting P&Ls every month, and you can see where you compare to others. Outback at that time was, you know, it's an easy brand to like because it's very busy and, you know, great energy, good people. Um, there's a lot of training and development. I just fell in love with it. It's just, you know, you get there, and the energy's high. And So how do you move from a place like Outback and Bonefish to Quick Casual? So Bob Bashan was the founder of Outback, and, and he was also the founder of PDQ. So, okay. you know, it, it was kind of a – there's a lot of – uh, intertwined relationships there. So when he left and there was a gentleman that was with Fleming's, um, a gentleman named John and Napoli, he was with Fleming's at that time, which was another sister brand. He was helping Bob kind of put the teams together for PDQ. And I happened to be training in my Bonefish uh, a lot of the Fleming's guys that were coming over to Bonefish from Fleming's. So it was just haphazardly just, hey, you know, walked in and said, we have a position if you're interested. And so yeah, I just took another leap of faith then. That's incredible. Um, what's it like to introduce a new restaurant concept to a city in the middle of a pandemic? <laughs> well, it's twofold. The pandemic was actually a blessing for me because, like I'd mentioned, you know, I, my my career I'd started at the very bottom, and I don't mean by the bottom. I just mean by entry level, and kind of worked through everything up to the COO position, um, which was was a, a massive amount of experience. The PDQ experience specifically was, it was incredible because it was a, a big startup, if, if that makes any sense. Uh, so I got to, I got to see and feel that. And again, with an entrepreneur spirit, you know, in the back of your mind, you're always like, I think I would take a left right now. Yeah. You know, I know yeah. there's one right, but I think I would take a left, you know? Um, and then two months later, you're like, gosh, I'm glad I didn't take a left. Um, so, but things run this course, going back to the sports parallel, you know, when you're in those positions of leadership, there's, there is an expiration date. It's just like coaches of teams and, you know, it doesn't mean you're a bad coach or they're, they're a bad organization or, or vice versa. It's just sometimes things need to change. You know? Yeah. And so I looked at my career and I'd kind of been in that same voice, all of it with, with Outback and Bonefish and PDQ had a lot of those similarities, which is, you know, was a good thing. And uh, so I was ready right before the pandemic, you know, to leave. And, you know, I mentioned that to them, I had about six more months and I was going to figure something out. So I was always looking to do something on my own. I knew that was going to be my long-term goal in the future. So when the pandemic happened, you know, I helped get at that stage, you know, get everything organized. And then I, I knew I'd have a good three, six months to write a business plan with no interruptions. And, you know, you know, we are very busy adults yeah. and 
that doesn't happen. Yeah, you would have found something else to fill that time For slot sure. and distract you. So I, I kind of said it was a, it's a blessing in disguise. I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to start sketching some stuff up. And you know, but the, by the end of this, when everyone comes out of it, I better have something. And that's that's really what what we did. Now I did. I feel like the timing lucked out a little bit because when we opened up April 26th, things were starting to free up a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, it, and I and I still say this to this day that I feel like we kind of lucked with. People wanting to get outside, lining up, you know, getting and getting excited about going in and doing yeah. something normal again. So our timing, I, I believe, from our opening was 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 lucky. I mean, I, you know, we didn't plan it, but we were in that stage where, where individuals wanted to come out. They wanted to you know, sit out there and listen to music and drink beer and wait to eat fried chicken. It's really interesting in your story that you set out to open up your own shop, and then how many ever years later, after you got done with your corporate ride. Yeah. was whenever you actually did it. I mean, it's not the same thing, obviously. Right. No, I think, I think with the entrepreneurship, it's, it's also, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. And I think for so many times, as, as you're trying to raise a family, and and you, you do need that stability. I think it just worked out. But right? I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think no, no. Absolutely. I think the good part is, I mean, how much did you learn from oh. working in that corporate atmosphere? Every day was was a, and and I still. I still, to this day, you know, was, will be forever grateful for that opportunity to see behind the scenes on 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 a brand that that you know starting up and like I said, it's a small, it's a big small startup. You know, I mean, that their goal was to, and and I'm sure continues to be, you know, the next big brand. And you know, there's a lot that goes on with that. So I was very grateful to see that, and um, and and I think learned along with those guys and girls of kind of what to do, what not to do, and. I think my projections at this moment are a lot going to be a lot smaller than that for sure. But you know, n- nonetheless, it was a good experience. I mean, what happens if it's not almost famous? What if it's really truly famous eventually? I think as long as it happens the correct way, and I, what I mean by you know, it's authentic and our and our quality doesn't change, and we don't cut corners. And I think from from a business standpoint, point in the in the business plan, I think if we don't, you know, excuse my language, don't bastardize what we're trying to set out to do, yeah. then I'm okay with it. You know, that's why I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, of, and this is not anything against franchise models, but some of the franchise models can, can be that way. You're looking for money more than you're looking for partnerships. Well, I have seen that in, re- in some restaurants that have grown over time or even smaller restaurants that are just trying to make sure that they're making it, they'll suffer in food quality. What was, you know, you go to the, the restaurant one month and then you go back the very next month and there's just something off about it. Right. And, you know, how do you balance that as a new restaurant and even looking forward to make sure that you're not, you know, skimping on quality? Well, I think it's, it's important. Again, going back to the culture, it has to be in the brand. The, you know, quality is an easy word to say, like lo- love. There's a million words that we use all day long. You know, it, it, if, you, if you mean it, it's a very difficult torch to hold when, when, when we yeah. talk about food quality. And beyond f- food quality and quality in general, quality facilities, quality training programs, quality people. Um, but I think it's notorious in our business that, especially in scale, when you have, say, 20 restaurants, 40 restaurants, 60 restaurants, I mean, you can take a, you know, a half-inch cut on a tomato to a quarter-inch. I mean, you're talking a, a, a somewhat of a larger number that, that you can save. So I, I understand the philosophy of why brands start to cut and, and change things. But this business model that I've built and so if you look at a P&L, right, there's, there's 74 lines, whatever business you're in, 
So it, it's sales and then your profit. Well, there's a, there's a lot of different ways to get to that profit number. This business model, in full transparency, is is a higher food cost. The yeah. value proposition is in the menu price and what you get for the menu price. It's high quality, made fresh from scratch. We we don't use any cheap ingredients. We use high quality ingredients, and we do try to sell it at a compressed price point. Now, our parking's terrible. Our prep cooks and our line cooks are, if you've been in there, are arm to arm. You know, the, yeah. we. So this business model, we we take those sacrifices that that don't necessarily affect the guest, but maybe compromise some of our creature comforts. Right. I mean, the back is there's nothing to it, and <laughs> right. so if you you're kinda, looking at it, right? If you see what we do on a daily basis with that menu, and and it's it's, I mean, sometimes I even had to think, man, am I kind of crazy? But the business model is built that way. Our fixed expenses, um, you know, are a little bit lower. You know, we take we just trade points. We trade you know two points there and put it up in the cost of goods. And I know and I feel comfortable that those two points are are going. I mean, you can waste it in marketing. You can waste it in a lot of areas. But I feel like when you eat there, and I sure surely hope our guests feel that way, that you get something for your money. You yeah, know, you absolutely. Get to pick two sides. You you. I love it when people say, "Can I get a to-go box?" Of course, I know in my mind that that's the value proposition. It worked. You got fresh food, uh, high quality food, and you couldn't eat it all. Yeah. And you're going to complain, and, you know, out the door, I hear it a lot. Your parking's terrible. You need a bigger space. And I, you know, I laugh internally. I'm like, well, you wouldn't be taking food home right now. I promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be about uh, four or five more bucks, you know, in the hole. That's it. Very cool. Let's take our next break. And we're back. Do you think with some of these other, I mean, thinking about you and I don't, I don't know where you guys are at mentally as far as scaling, but is there a danger in having other locations and the further they get from the original location, that quality changes? Of course. Sure. I mean, that, there's no doubt, but there's, that's, I'll, I'll go back to franchising. And again, I'm not negatively speaking of franchise because I think in some models it, it, it truly works. But my goal for Lovebird is there's several ways you can grow a brand. There's the old hub and spoke. You have a hub, then you, you know, you, you have a spoke. So for an example, in this, scenario. You have Lakeland, you put one in Gainesville, and then you build back down the spoke. You come back to Ocala, you come back to the villages, and you kind of work your way and you on multiple spokes around the state. That's one way to grow, or you can grow um, what I call like brand creep. You open in Lakeland, you open in Winter Haven, you open in Brandon, you mm-hmm. open in Riverview. So I'm more comfortable where we are currently. And a lot of this has to do with the labor market, um, distribution, supply chain. Supply chain issues. Right. Brand Cost creep is a much more uh, advantageous way for us to grow because we keep things tight. So, for an example, our next store, if, if we can get, get one going here shortly, will be a, in a proximity where we can have shared labor. So we can use some of our team members here in Lakeland and some of those team, you know, in the event we have another labor or we continue to have labor shortages and crunches. Our distribution channels don't don't change much and, and we can keep an eye on marketing um spheres you know we're still in the same marketing um trade area so i think right now and i again i you know we're not even a year old that the brand creep approach will do that until we feel comfortable and then what you can do is down the road you can change that into the hub and spoke but you just may have multiple locations in that hub yeah which i think is a little safer a little bit more supportive right so let's say you have you know lakeland winter haven and brandon i'm just using these examples that would be your hub, and then maybe you feel comfortable to go out to, to spoke somewhere and then start growing that way. Where 
And in terms of franchise, you know, they they typically the brand goes where the money is. Yeah. Right. So if you have franchisee in Jacksonville, that's where the brand goes. Is where where the, the uh, it kind of follows the cash, if you will. I think that you know down the road, you know, my vision of raising capital and things would be that the capital that was raised is is in units that we're growing to, not where you are. Does that make any sense? Yes. Yeah. So we could say, hey, you know, we're going to grow store four and five, and we're raising X amount of money, and you know. But you don't get to necessarily pick where these stores are, and I think that's a safer bet for not only organization but mostly the investor. So I got a question, um, and, and it goes back to culture. Um, and this is a kind of a popular thing that's going in a lot of organizations now. But hashtag giving the bird, I love that. Great. I love that. That's brilliant. So what what about giving? That's your campaign to give back to the community. Tell me a little bit about it, and how's it important? Why is it important to you guys? Sure. I th- you know, anytime you're doing business locally, and I think you always are doing business locally, your community is is, is really your lifeline from from your team members to obviously those guests, and that's how you survive. So you know, having it, something a part of your culture that you're you're continuing to steward that relationship. Our communities need a lot of things from a lot of different uh, areas of, of you know the uh, the businesses that surround it. So I think it's important as a culture for our team, most importantly as well, to understand that, you know, we, we, we can impact lives outside of just feeding somebody. Yeah. And that, that, you know, growing an organization, growing a brand and um, being stewards of our community are, are a very important thing. So I, I think it's exciting to, to take our team members and, and show them other ways that our business impacts, you know, not only their paycheck, but also the community they're living in and they're proud to, to be a part of. So it's always going to be a mainstay of what we can do. And, and you know, obviously we can help. We're, we want to help. We want to be that business in town or, or in our local community there. We, we try to even be hyper local and just call it our neighborhood. You know, what, what can we do in our neighborhood to make a difference? And, and, and it sounds kind of funny, but even from keeping our facilities nice and, and clean yeah. and swept up and, you know, we understand there's, there's homes that, that are all around us and we have a responsibility to, to, uh, to be something they're proud of. Yeah, I think um, I read a quote sometime. If everybody just swept their own front porch, right, right, mm-hmm. then you'd have a clean street. And, and and there's something to be said about that. Right, just keeping your facilities clean, keep them up to date, and then affecting the the neighborhood. I I, I don't think any organization can help all people. Correct, um, but you can help the people around you for sure. And, and look, and there's those that are around us that that maybe we can't help, but I I do believe that anytime we can. We will. We should, and that's an that's important piece of the brand. And, and any any successful business, I think, is 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 being a part of that community. And that's not always a one way transaction of receiving money. Yeah, you know, you have to you have to give as well. Cool. So, um, very important question for you: What is the best order at Lovebird? What's the what's the thing that you'd say this this is what I would order? And I, I, listen, all people, yeah. all the I'm not <laughs> right. not trying to play. Yeah. I know all people's Hot, taste buds are accurate, <laughs> craveable. No, um, outside of that, no, just yep. your order. If you yep. go to Lovebird and you were ordering, what would you order? Oh, that's easy: small, white, medium, cucumber salad, dirty fries. Oh dang! Yeah, it's. Well, you're gonna write that down for me later, yeah, right? The, now. the cucumber salad's one of my favorite things on the menu. I think it, it offers something completely different, cools, you know, especially if you're into spice, and it's just so refreshing. It's just one of my favorite things. I'm telling you, I'm a big fan of your sides. Like the side dishes, like the chicken game is on point, but I there I have the most struggle trying to pick the sides. I appreciate it. And, and we tried to do that on, on design. That actually that segment of the business is really stolen from barbecue. 
scoop and yeah, serve. I have noticed that. Yeah. Right. So you have a chicken shack, right? The fried chicken. Then our side program is really in the desserts, scoop and serve, like a barbecue, um, you know, platform. And so to me, the, all those sides and when we build a menu, everything has to stand on its own. You know, that was challenging all of us, and even from an execution standpoint, outside of the recipe adherence to things. But, you know, it, can, can somebody come in technically and order one of something and it'd be the best X that they've ever had or, or, you know, something that they would, they would remember. And I think that's the, that's important. The beans have to be good. And we're, and we're at a little disadvantage about beans because we don't have any barbecue, you know, to me, barbecue beans or brisket and, you know, we don't have that access. So, you know, those were, uh, those were a little challenging to get in the beginning, but I think, I think they're pretty good. Well, I think my wife's favorite is the fries. I think that's up there. Cause she's even said, can you make the fry? Like if we're doing burgers at the house, she's like, can you make the fries like love bird? And I'm like, well, no. Yeah, the answer to that is no. <laughs> I'll just give you some seasoning. I think it might be more in the seasoning than the fries. Listen, if you do that, then we're going to run out of that seasoning. The key is a little. The key is a little sugar. I, I'll give the, the and that's one, what she one said. Trick. Yeah, you have you, you have to have a, a little bit of sweet on the fry seasoning. That's the reason why she likes me. That's right. That's what, sh- that's what yeah. I've heard. That's what I've heard. It's all over strange. the internet. <laughs> Please, <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Um, so uh, how, how is you know. You, you talk about giving back you, you um, to your local community, but how important is is it to draw a line to the community, not just in giving back, but where they can almost see a little bit of themselves in you when they walk in? Sure, I, th- I think you know from a brand connecting with its with its local communities is highly important. Obviously, or there's I would assume so high rejection, right? If you put something in there that's that's not. It's not, you know, any kind of somewhat of their DNA, but I also think that your brand should challenge the community to to evolve and push forward. And, you know, a funny story about us when we first opened, you know, intentionally we, we painted half the building pink and we kind of sat back and just watched all the social media and what it was. I mean, it was hysterical, but, you know, that that's also part of kind of seeing what the bandwidth was on, on things. You know, I've been in Lakeland my whole life and, um, you know, I'm not naive to think that you go paint a, you know, hot pink building and, you know, you do these things. People are like, okay, slow yeah. down here. This is not how we eat fried chicken. So I don't know what this guy's trying to Does do. Does it scream family? Right, exactly. <laughs> but I, I think that it's important. I think that you have to, yes, have, have a common DNA, but I think it's also okay for brands to say, hey, listen, you know, we're, the community's ready for something a little different. The music's a little louder and, you know, it may, may not look like all the other places that you normally get chicken, but... Hopefully you'll love it and, and you'll adopt it as, as part of the community. And I think that's the wonderful little dance that, that happens there. I love that you that you said challenge the community because I think it has to. Right. Right. You go to these other cities that are well known for their food and how weird those things are. But I've seen some restaurants pop up in Lakeland that were it was almost like it was a little too weird for Lakeland at that point. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, you you can alienate. You can go a little too far, and, and and it's one thing to be be different, but it has to be recognizable. You don't want to alienate where you're so strange that you know again your your market share goes down to nothing, and, and you eventually go out of business. But I think it with our business, as long as the, the you know high quality food, you have great service, you know you're in a clean environment. I think some of the other things you can take a little a little higher risk with, and you know you may have some of the non early adopters that want to come in, but you know. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. All right, and we're back. Um, so food is extremely important to life, right? And one of the things that I've, I've uh, you know, been paying attention to, especially in my own house, just 
how much we culminate around food, right? So we have conversations around food. Um, how important is that in your environment? You know, looking at stories, I mean, does that jazz you up thinking about how you plug into probably some very important parts in people's lives? Yes, I, I think that our, again, going back to our industry, I think it's exciting that, you know, a lot of things have happened over over dinner or lunch or, you know, in terms of, of relationships and, and families, et cetera. So it, it, it's always gotten me excited. I, you know, again, I don't know what some of the food, what happens after the food leaves, but I, I do get excited when I see individuals that are um, maybe strangers by name, but but friends just by community in line waiting for chicken. And, you know, they, they've strike up conversations later, you know, in the, in the back of the line. I, I As you're cooking, you get bored. You know, I, I'm watching things. And, and so you see them interact. And, and by the time that they get their food, you right, and they're near us. And you see them, they're almost you know, best of friends. And they've recommended items if they've ever been here before or vice versa. And so I always think, you know, it's, it's neat to see that, how – you know, waiting for food in, in, in our restaurant or, or getting food, it, it strikes up conversations with, with people online. And, and, you know, again, we're all, for the most part, Lakelanders, if you will. And I think it's exciting to see that, you know, or it does bring people together and people get excited. Um, and we're very grateful for that. I, you know, you've been involved in a lot of restaurants, and I, I don't think I've seen something that gets people jazzed up as, as Lovebird has. So, yeah. you know, again, I, I, I can't say, you know, how much we're appreciative of that. It's exciting to see people bring um, friends that are from out of town. We get that a lot, you know, that, that hey, you got to come check this place out. This is my cousin. He just got off a plane from Detroit, and I just tell him about Lovebird for the last three months. And, you know, the cousin's there is like, this better be the best chicken. And I'm like, oh, jeez. <laughs> like, well, you didn't come from Detroit here to eat. Or didn't. He's like, no, I was here, but I just told him, bring me here first. So I think that's exciting that, that it's starting to get to where, where people from Lakeland that have been there, they want to bring others, friends of theirs, and that, that means a lot to us. We're getting a lot of individuals and families driving from, I think our furthest right now is maybe Jacksonville or West Palm Beach. And, to come visit the restaurant? Yeah. yeah really? So, and that's the power of social media, I guess. You know, So we're, we're getting a lot of um, travelers you know, to come check it out. And there is a bit of a hot chicken craze that is. has happened over the last couple of years. Was that part of the reason why you decided to go branch into that? Well, you know, in our business, there's fads and trends. I, I think the fad of hot chicken, um, you'd like anything, will we'll kind of maybe maybe fizzle out. And that's why, you know, with Lovebird, try to build it really on a southern fried chicken platform that, that we have hot chicken, but we're not a Nashville. You, you won't see the word Nashville very many places in the restaurant, just because I think that's more of a, of a, um, a fad, if you will. So, but I think the trend of of homemade food, southern southern fried chicken, uh, spicy. You know, these are things that have been really in trend for, for quite some time. So I looked at it more like that. Not really how hyper the hot chicken craze had been with, with some of the brands really pop popping up and growing, but more the backdrop of southern fried chicken, comfort food, spicy, quick service, small square feet. You know, those are the kind of things that all played why well, I thought it would be a good concept to, to get going. I hope one day in that line, because you brought up that line, and I, every single time I'm in that line, I meet someone brand new. Yeah. Or I see someone that I know. Right. It's kind of like exactly. cheers. That line becomes <laughs> cheers. Like everybody knows your name, uh, at least by the end of the line. But what happens if some somebody finds love there? And in Lovebird, you know, where'd you meet? You know, you just hey, end up. I mean, we'll just make a T-shirt. You know, we just have to do, we'll have to do something. We'll at least have to cater it. I mean. I would think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that would be the. I hope that happens. This is going to happen one day. I hope. 
you know, it's funny about the line because you asked me, you know, anything I wanted. That is something that we get like, you know, why, why the line? Why only one? It's such a small space. Mm-hmm. So, you know, early on, if you've been there the first couple of weeks, we we attempted multiple registers. But what happens is only so much capacity to cook. Yeah. And the way the platform is with cooking to order and assembling to order, we've learned like we could put three or four registers out there and you can get your order in, it's just gonna but you're going to wait for food. So we're, we've kind of got that nice balance where if you can w- wait in the nice orderly line, maybe get a beer, talk to some people, by the time you order, the way our logistics work out, you're going to get your food in five, you know, five minutes or less and it's going to be right and hot and and so yeah, that that's probably one thing I do want to make comment because we're like, man, you should you should do three or four registers. You know how much money you would make. Is that um, the reason why y'all don't have the drive through? Yeah, the, well, the drive through is an asset that was already there. We just we just so we just kind of branded it because you just never know. You yeah. Know? But since and again, I'll go back to being grateful, very grateful that we've had the turnout that people were willing to park and come in. Um, so we do, we don't we don't really want to use it. We we restrike the parking lot, added more parking space, and I think this is the right fit. We don't do any online order and phone order, not because we're arrogant, because we want to we want to slow it down. We want to get the orders right, and and as long as there's individuals waiting in line, that's the only individuals we're cooking for. Yeah. And I, I hate to be that way because I know right now with technology, every you know you I've been in restaurants where like, hey, sorry, it's going to be another thirty minutes. We've got a lot of online orders. I'm like, well, that's really nice. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, but that's that's our business has become that where where everyone ordering online is a priority, and anyone that's there is not. And so I I kind of want I I like where we are right now. Is like, look, we're just here cooking for everybody that's here. And um, you know, maybe down the road, another location or something, maybe drive through online ordering all those other. Um, that's great, man. I love that story. Yeah, I, I really just, do. That's great. Yeah. So, um, what are you reading right now? What are you listening to? So, I, I hope he doesn't hear, but I have a good friend of mine, Tom uh, Corvertis. He's uh, he just wrote a book, Adored, two years ago, and he he gave it to me right before COVID. So, I'm just now. It's been on my my nightstand for two years. But. You've had a couple things going on. Yeah, so I'm starting to crack that open a little bit. In terms of listening, I, I mean, it seems like I'm just listening to the Lovebird playlist. That's about all I'm listening to. But, <laughs> um, but no, just a couple random bands. Sue Stowe's a friend of mine up in Atlanta. My best friend's up there, and he's he's a big music guy. So he's I, I, he just kind of gives me the drips. Like, hey, check this out. Check this out. So right now I'm listening to a band, Sue Stowe and um, American Aquarium, uh, Lamentations. He, he's got me on. So yeah, just... Here and there, I'm I'm kind of like schizophrenic a little bit when it comes to music, you know. Hey, I appreciate that. Yeah, just I mean, if I listen to uh, what Apple curated, it was was my most popular listen to. I'm like, I hope no one else hears this playlist because it's all over the place. Yeah, just are, you, are you the guy that you do the road trip with and like you got a good song on and then you like for hey you check this song out? I'm like, no, I, I was listening no, to that song. No, that is a crime. Right, okay, I do right, not. Right. Yeah. Sw- I I have that to is wait. so I hate I, I can't I cannot travel with it. Like, hey, check this out. Like, oh, this is a great song. Hey, check this one out. I'm like, no, we just it, we just what's nope. going on? We're gonna do this all the way up there. There's a beginning, middle, and an end to every song. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and go through all of it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so what where are you most encouraged? by the world around you or in your in your business right now? Well, I think you know, the immediate world around me would be Lakeland, and, and I'm encouraged. I, again, going, I, I can't tell you how grateful we are. This is very hard to do. It's hard a new concept, especially our business. And, um, you know, in these times, I, I, I'm extremely encouraged with, with the reception we've had, and it gives us, I think, the uh, the confidence to keep moving forward and keep dialing in what we have to, to, to possibly do another one. Um, I'm really excited this restaurant – 
know, we started with a whole new crew, you know, having a career in restaurants. I didn't really recruit a lot of those that I've worked with in the past. So I kind of started with a whole new team, going back to that sports analogy. And I'm, you see a tremendous amount of growth from, you know, kids that are 16 to, to individuals that are adults. You know, I see them really adopting the brand and our process and procedures that we're working through. And so that's, again, I know that's not a global view, but just my immediate world is it, it's very exciting to see things start to catch and, and uh, people get it. Well, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank yeah. you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for what your chicken. It? It's delicious. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Again, my name's Holland Henderson with Allen & Company. Go on our website at alleninvestments.com. There's a lot of great blogs and um, media posts that you'll learn a lot of great stuff on. Have a wonderful day. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult with an appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Guests appearing on the show and their respective companies are not affiliated with LPL Financial and Allen & Company. Investment advisory services offered through Allen & Company of Florida, LLC, Allen & Co., and its affiliate LPL Financial, LLC, LPL, Registered Investment Advisors. Securities offered through LPL, member FINRA, SIPC.